What's going on, everyone? This is Andy Snikowski welcoming you back to a, another edition of the History of Birdland podcast. It's been a little bit, took a little bit of a siesta, I guess you could say, and took a little bit of time off, but I'm back. Baseball is back. Orioles are playing in spring training. So what better time to come back to doing podcasts now that the baseball season is in full swing and we got spring training games and the season is just a couple weeks away from starting. But unfortunately for this History of Birdland podcast episode, we're going to go back and look at something that wasn't too pleasant in Orioles history, and that's the 1969 World Series. Yes, it's the year that the Miracle Mets upset the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series. So let's let's do a little bit of background first on the New York Mets. The Mets were an expansion team that joined the Major League Baseball in 1962. This was, of course, after uh, 1958 when both the Giants and Dodgers moved out of New York and moved to the West Coast to San Francisco and Los Angeles, respectively, leaving New York City with only just one team, and it was the New York Yankees for a couple years. The early years of the New York Mets were not good ones. In their first season in 1962, the Mets would only win 40 games, and it didn't really get much better than that for the next couple years. Heading into the 1969 season, the Mets had yet to have a winning record, with the best that they ever did was in 1968 when they went 73-89. and 89. However, things started to turn around in 1969 for the Mets, and despite being 100-1 to odds to win the World Series that year, the Mets would win 100 games and capture their first National League East title. In the playoffs, the Mets would face the Atlanta Braves in the National League Championship Series, first ever, by the way, and they dominated in a three-game sweep to win their first ever National League pennant. 1969 was the first time that Major League Baseball had become big enough that they had two separate divisions in each league. Before 1969, and I think I've mentioned this in other podcasts, I think uh, there's an episode I did about the 1969 American League Championship Series for the Orioles. Before 1969, it was basically you had all the teams in the American League, all the teams in the National League, the top record in the American League, top record in the National League, went straight to the World Series. There was no playoff system before 1969. Now for the Orioles, the Orioles were pretty much the exact opposite of everything that the New York Mets were. Uh, the Orioles had won their first World Series title in 1966, and even though they didn't make the playoffs again until 1969, uh, the 1968 season, the Orioles won 91 games. Again, going back to, you know, if you don't finish first in your in your league, you don't get to go to the World Series. So even though they won 91 games in 1968, the Orioles did not go to the playoffs or the World Series. In 1969, the Orioles' powerhouse was just beginning. They won 109 games in 1969, and they easily won the American League East by 19 games. In the playoffs, the Orioles faced off against the Minnesota Twins, and just like the Mets did with the Braves in the National League Championship Series, the Orioles would, would easily push aside the Twins in a three-game sweep, setting up the World Series matchup with the New York Mets. So let's get right into it. The 1969 World Series between the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Mets. Game one would be played in Baltimore at Memorial Stadium on October 11th, 1969. And uh, let's look at the starting lineups for the two teams very quickly. First for the visiting Mets, Tommy Agee. 
uh, led off and played center field. Bud Harrelson, second, playing shortstop. Cleon Jones, third, batting left field. Don Clenderson, fourth, bat, uh, playing first base. Ron Swoboda, batting fifth, playing right field. Ed Charles, batting sixth, playing third base. Jerry Grody, catching and batting seventh. Al Weiss, batting eighth and playing second base. And the starting pitcher and batting ninth for the New York Mets, Tom Seaver. For the Orioles, Don Buford, batting first, playing left field. Paul Blair, batting second, playing center field. Frank Robinson, batting third, playing right field. Batting fourth is Boog Powell, playing first base. Batting fifth, Brooks Robinson, and he's playing third base. Batting sixth, Elrod Hendricks is catching. Batting seventh, Davey Johnson is at second base. And then batting eighth, uh, shortstop Mark Belanger. And batting ninth and pitching for the Orioles is Mike Cuellar. The scoring uh, started early for the Baltimore Orioles here in game one. Don Buford led off the bottom of the first with a solo home run off of Tom Seaver. It was the first batter of the game for the Orioles, and it gave them an early one nothing lead. It was pretty quiet throughout the game until the bottom of the fourth inning for the Orioles. Boog Powell led off with a ground out to shortstop, and then after a pop-out by Brooks Robinson, two quick outs, but then Elrod Hendricks would single to right field. Davey Johnson would walk, sending Hendricks to second. Up comes Mark Belanger. He singles. Hendricks scores to make the game 2-0 Baltimore. Mike Cuellar would single into center field uh, to score Davey Johnson, who had walked earlier, and that made the the lead now 3-0 for the Orioles. And then Don Buford would come up. He doubled, and he scored Belanger on the double, so the Orioles would take a 4-0 lead at the end of four. The Mets would finally get to Mike Cuellar in the top of the seventh inning. After a leadoff single by by Don Clendenin, uh, Ron Swoboda, he walked. So now two on and nobody out. A fly out by Ed Charles for the first out. Jerry Grody would single to left field, driving Clendenin, Clendenin to third and Swoboda to second. So the bases are loaded with only one out. Al Weiss would fly out to left field, driving in Clendenin, and but that's all the Mets would get in this seventh inning. So they had the bases loaded with only one out and could only get one run. After that, pretty quiet on both sides of the field. Uh, In the top half of the ninth inning, last chance for the Mets. Mike Cuellar is actually still pitching for the Orioles. Ron Swoboda, he singles, infield single. And then Ed Charles would fly out. Jerry Grody would strike out. And then after Al Weiss walked, so now two on and two out. Arch Schmansky would come up, ground out to the second baseman, Davey Johnson, and that would put an end to it for game one. The Orioles, the heavy favorites in the World Series, would easily take game one, four to one. Both teams had six hits, so 12 hits in the game altogether. Some standouts for the Mets. Don Clendenin went two for four with a run scored. Um, And then every other Mets player only had one hit for the Orioles. Uh, Dom Buford had two hits, two RBIs, and a run scored. Uh, Mark Belanger had a hit and an RBI and a run scored. Mike Cuellar, the pitcher, had a hit and an RBI. Uh, For the two pitchers, Tom Seaver didn't pitch bad, so to speak, but he gave up four runs on, on six hits in five innings pitched. He would get the loss. Mike Cuellar, as I just mentioned, a complete game, six hits, One run, four walks, eight strikeouts. And again, like I said, the Orioles easily take game one, four to one. 
Game two of the 1969 World Series would happen on the very next day, Sunday, October 12th, 1969. Uh, Very quickly, again, run through the lineups for game two. First for the Mets, Tommy Agee, Bud Harrelson, Cleon Jones, Don Clendenin, Ron Sabota, Ed Charles, Jerry Grody, Al Weiss, and Jerry Kuzman is the pitcher batting ninth. For the Orioles, Don Buford, Paul Blair, Frank Robinson, Boog Powell, Brooks Robinson, Davey Johnson, Andy Echebarron is catching in this game, Mark Belanger, shortstop, and Dave McNally pitching for the Orioles. Uh, Unlike game one, this time the Mets would be the first one to strike, but it wouldn't happen until the fourth inning. Don Clendenin would lead off the Mets half of the fourth inning with a solo home run off of Dave McNally to give the Mets the 1-0 lead. That's all they would get in that inning. There would not be another run scored until the Orioles' bottom half of the seventh inning. Paul Blair would lead off the inning with a single. And then after back-to-back outs by Frank Robinson and Boog Powell of a line-out and a pop-out, while Brooks Robinson is at the plate, Paul Blair, who singled to start the inning, would wind up stealing and putting himself in scoring position. Well, it turned out to be a huge play for them because Brooks Robinson would single. Blair would score, and in the seventh inning, the Orioles tie the game at one apiece. In the top half of the ninth inning, the New York Mets would come up. Don Clendenin, who homered earlier in game two, would strike out. Ron Swoboda would ground out, so two quick outs, but then back-to-back-to-back singles by the New York Mets, a single by Ed Charles, a single by Jerry Grody, and then a single by Al Weiss would drive in Charles, who singled first and the Mets took a 2-1 to lead in the ninth inning. In the bottom half of the ninth, last chance for the Orioles to try to go up two games to none heading back to New York. Don Buford would lead off the ninth inning with a fly out. Paul Blair would ground out, and then back-to-back walks to Frank Robinson and Boog Powell, setting up Brooks Robinson, who had the only RBI of the game for the Orioles, but he unfortunately would ground out the third base ending the game, and the Mets steal one in Baltimore with a 2-1 to win over the Orioles. Not a lot of hitting going on in this game. Uh, the Mets had six hits. The Orioles, just two. Two hits for the Orioles in this game. Uh, two Mets had, uh, had two hits in this game. Ed Charles was two for four with a run scored, and Al Weiss was two for three with an RBI and a walk. The only Orioles to register hits, Paul Blair singled and scored the Orioles' lone run. Brooks Robinson had the only other hit that drove in Paul Blair. So a tough day at the office for Orioles hitters. As for the pitchers, pretty good by both of them. I mean, when it's it's a two-to-one ball game, (laughs) the pitching was pretty good. Jerry Kuzman for the Mets, who got the win, pitched eight and two-thirds innings, gave up two hits on one run, three walks and four strikeouts. Dave McNally, second consecutive day that the Orioles didn't have to use any bullpen members. McNally pitched all nine innings, gave up six hits on two runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts in the losing effort. But the Mets get the win 2-1 to one in game two, tying the series at one game apiece as it shifts to New York. So here we are, game three of the 1969 World Series happening on Tuesday, October 14th, 1969. The first ever World Series game at Shea Stadium. Again, Mets were an expansion team starting in 1962. First time in the playoffs, first time in the World Series. Quickly going over the lineups for Game 3 for the Orioles, Don Buford, Paul Blair, 
Frank Robinson, Boog Powell, Brooks Robinson, Elrod Hendricks, Davey Johnson, Mark Belanger, and batting ninth and pitching is Jim Palmer. For the Mets, Tommy Agee, uh, Wayne Garrett, Cleon Jones, Art Schmansky, Ken Boswell, Ed Cranepool, Jerry Grody, Bud Harrelson, and Gary Gentry is pitching and batting ninth. So a lot of a lot of changes here for the Mets, even though they're just coming off of a win in game two, they made a lot of changes. Uh, in the first one to strike in game three is, again, the New York Mets, just like they did it in game two. And, again, it's a solo home run. This one, Tommy Agee, with a solo home run in the bottom of the first inning, giving the Mets the one nothing lead. In the bottom of the second, the Mets would add to that lead. Ken Boswell led off the inning with a ground out, and then after an Ed Cranepool pop-up, uh, two quick outs, but Jerry Grody would walk, Bud Harrelson would single, and then Gary Gentry would come up and double to center field. Harrison scores, Grody scores, and the Mets have a 3-0 lead after two innings. No more scoring would happen for either side until the bottom half of the sixth inning, where again the, the Mets would add to their lead. A single to lead off the inning by Ken Boswell, then Ed Cranepool would ground out, but Boswell goes to second. Jerry Grody comes up and doubles to left field. Boswell scores, and in the sixth inning, the Mets lead 4 to nothing. The Mets would put the final nail in the coffin for the Orioles here in game three in the bottom half of the eighth inning. After a Ron Gaspar fly out to start the inning, Ed Cranepool hit a solo home run to right center field, and the Mets now lead 5-0. Last chance for the Orioles in the ninth inning, facing a very young Nolan Ryan. Elrod Hendricks would fly out. Davey Johnson would also fly out to two quick outs. Mark Belanger would walk, and then Nolan Ryan would run, run into some trouble with a, with a walk, single, and walk to load the bases. Paul Blair with the bases loaded, trying to get the Orioles back in the game, but he would strike out looking to end it. So even with the threat, the Orioles come up with nothing and lose game three, five to nothing, and the and the heavy underdog New York Mets see themselves up two games to one after three games in the World Series. Uh, quick stats here before we move on to game four. Again, not a very strong hitting day for the Orioles. Only four hits. Two of them belong to Boog Pow. He went two for four, so he was the standout for the Orioles. The Mets only had six hits, and none of, their, none of the guys who had a hit had more than one. Uh, but... Gary Gentry had the big uh, two-run two run hit. He went one for three with two RBIs. Ed Cranepool drove in a run. Tommy Agee had the solo home run in the first inning. So the Mets lead two games to one after the game three shutout win. So on to game four and what you could probably call a must-win situation if you're the Baltimore Orioles because you lose this game, you're down three games to one. You still got one more game in New York before you can try to force it back home to Baltimore. So pretty big game for the Orioles here. It, it happened on October 15th, 1969, again in Shea Stadium. Lineups for the two teams for the Orioles, Don Buford, Paul Blair, Frank Robinson, Boog Powell, Brooks Robinson, Elrod Hendricks, Davey Johnson, Mark Belanger, and Mike Cuellar back on the mound for the Birds. For the Mets, Tommy Agee, Bud Harrelson, Cleon Jones, Don Clendenin, Ron Swoboda, Ed Charles, Jerry Grody, Al Weiss, and Tom Seaver back on the mound for the Mets. 
This game was not a very high-scoring game. In the bottom of the second, the Mets would take the lead. This is the third straight game in a row now that the Mets scored first. And again, it's from the home run variety. Don Clendenin would lead off the bottom of the second inning for the Mets with a solo home run off of Mike Cuellar to give the Mets a one nothing lead. It's very quiet throughout the rest of the game. The next time a team would score is not until the ninth inning, and it's the Orioles. The Orioles are down one nothing, and with their last chance to uh, try to force extra innings or even take the lead and win the game, here's what they do. Paul Blair fly out to start the inning, and then back-to-back singles by Frank Robinson and Boog Powell uh, puts them in scoring position because Robinson went to third after the Boog Powell single. Brooks Robinson comes up and flies out to right field, but it's deep enough to get Frank to score, and the Orioles tie the game at one. The Mets would not do anything in the bottom of the ninth, so that means extra innings. The Orioles would go pretty quietly in the top half of the tenth, so it goes to the bottom of the tenth, and the uh, Mets come up. Jerry Grody would double, and then an intentional walk by Al Weiss, so now two on and nobody out for J.C. Martin. He tries to bunt to move the runners up, but a throwing error to first base causes the Orioles to lose the game because Gasper, who came in to pinch run, would score, and the Mets would win again, and the series is now Mets 3, Orioles 1. A heartbreaking way for the Orioles to lose game 4 this series and now puts them on the brink of one of the biggest upsets in World Series history. So on we go to game number five, last chance for the Orioles to extend their season as they trail the New York Mets three games to one. Again, it's at Shea Stadium. It happened on October 16th, Thursday, October 16th, 1969. Go through the lineups for this pivotal game five between the O's and the Mets. For the Orioles first, Don Buford, Paul Blair, Frank Robinson, Boog Powell, Brooks Robinson, Davey Johnson, Andy Echebaron, Mark Belanger, and Dave McNally. For the Mets, Tommy Agee, Bud Harrelson, Cleon Jones, Don Clendenin, Ron Swoboda, Ed Charles, Jerry Grody, Al Weiss, and Jerry Kuzman pitching for the New York Mets. For once, as we get into the game, it's the Orioles who strike first. And believe it or not, they get their offense from their pitcher. So in the top of the third inning, Mark Belanger singles to start the inning. And Dave McNally comes up and hits a two-run home run. Belanger would score ahead of him, and it's the Orioles taking the early 2-0 lead. But the Orioles were not done in the top half of the third. And after a groundout and strikeout by Buford and Paul Blair, Frank Robinson comes up, and he hits a home run into the Shea Stadium seats. And the Orioles now lead 3-0 after two-and-a-half innings. The Orioles would carry that three-run lead for a couple innings until the bottom half of the sixth, where the Mets would start off with a Cleon Jones hit by pitch. And then Don Clendenin, who's been a guy I've mentioned a lot in this podcast of making some big hits, he would homer. Jones scores ahead of him, and the Mets are right back in the game. It is now 3-2 to two Orioles. In the bottom of the seventh, the, the Mets come all the way back. Al Weiss would lead off the bottom of the seventh with a home run off of Dave McNally, and the Mets have now tied the game at 3-3. Three three. With the game tied at 3-3, three three, we enter the eighth inning. The Orioles on the top half don't do much of anything. 
It's a one, two, three inning for Kurt Motten, Don Buford, and Paul Blair. Ground out, fly out, ground out in the bottom of the eighth. The Mets try to put a cap on this series. They started off with a Cleon Jones double, and then after a ground out by Clendenin, a Ron Swoboda double gives the Mets the lead as Jones scores. It makes it 4-3 to three New York. Ed Charles would fly out for the second out of the inning, but then Jerry Grody would reach on an E3, a ground ball in the infield. Another, another costly error for the Orioles that cost them a run and possibly the series. As uh, Swoboda, who just doubled, he would score, and the Mets take a 5-3 to three lead going into the ninth inning. So last chance for the Orioles here, top of the ninth inning. Frank Robinson leads off the inning with a walk. Boog Powell would ground out for a fielder's choice. Boog Powell would reach on first. They only get the out at second. And then Brooks Robinson comes up. He flies out. Davey Johnson comes up. He flies out. And that is it. Game over. World Series over. And the Orioles, the heavily favored 109-win Baltimore Orioles, fall to the New York Mets. Of course, they called this team the Miracle Mets as they win the World Series four games to one. They lost game one in Baltimore, but then would win four straight, including all three at Shea Stadium to take their first ever world championship away from the Orioles. Heartbreaking loss for the Birds. Again, the Orioles, not much going on on the offensive side of the ball. Only five hits. Dave McNally had one. He was the pitcher. He went one for two with two RBIs and a run scored. Frank Robinson, Boog Powell both had hits. Uh, Mark Belanger had a hit, but that not much going from there. Ron Swoboda had the big uh, hit in this game. And also Don Clendenin, he had a, a home run in the game that got the Mets back in it. As for the pitching, Dave McNally, pretty, I, I mean, I wouldn't say strong, but gave him a chance to win. He pitched seven innings, gave up five hits, three earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Uh, Jerry Kuzman, he went the full nine for the Mets in this clinching game five. He gave up five hits, three runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. So let's uh, let's look at the entire series as a whole, look at some stats here. World Series MVP, Don Clendenin, that doesn't surprise me. Like I said, I feel throughout this entire podcast, I feel like every time the Mets had a big hit, it was Don Clendenin who came through with it. Uh, But let's just look at some of the statistics. First, for the champion Mets, Al Weiss had a pretty good series. He he batted 455 with five hits and 11 at-bats and a home run. Don Clendenin, as we just mentioned, he hit 357, but he had three home runs. Five hits and 14 at-bats, four RBIs. That led the team. Believe it or not, four RBIs led the team. The Mets only scored 15 runs in these five games. Uh, They had a couple guys hitting 333, but other than really Clendenin, Ron Swoboda, and Al Weiss, not a lot of guys stood out for the New York Mets in this World Series. Um, As for pitching for the Mets, Nolan Ryan made one appearance. He pitched two and a third innings, did not give up any any earned runs. Uh, Jerry Kuzman had two starts, got two wins, pitched 17 and two-thirds innings to a 2.04 ERA. Tom Seaver, 
also made two starts. He went one and one. Of course, he lost the game one opener in Baltimore, but he pitched very strong as well. 15 innings to a 3.00 ERA. The uh, Mets pitching staff as a whole had a 1.80 ERA. As for the Orioles, like we mentioned, not a lot of big hitting for them. In fact, one of their best hitters in the series was Mike Cuellar, who went two for five. He batted 400. Uh, Clay Daryl Rimple, he did have he had two at bats and he went two for two. But Boog Powell hit 263. Mark Belanger hit 200. Dave McNally hit 200. Frank Robinson hit 188. Paul Blair hit 100. Elrod Hendricks hit 100. Brooks Robinson hit 053. The Orioles would only score nine runs in the entire World Series. In five games, they scored nine runs, and and as a team. They only hit 146, so not very good numbers. As for the Orioles pitching, Mike Cuellar uh, made two starts. He went 1-0 and and a no decision, pitched 16 innings and a 1.13 ERA, gave up two earned runs in 16 innings. That's pretty good. Dave McNally also made two starts in this series. He went 0-1 with a 2.81 ERA, 16 innings, five earned runs. Um, Jim Palmer made the other start. He went 0-1. Six innings, four earned runs. The Orioles pitching staff, overall, not that bad. It pitched to a 2.72 ERA, but just wasn't enough. It it was one of those weird World Series that even though the team that you thought would win, the Baltimore Orioles, probably the better team from top to bottom with all the Hall of Famers and the 109 wins that they had during the regular season, but they lose pretty easily. And 1969 was not a great year, calendar year, when it comes to Baltimore sports teams. In in early 1969, the 1968 NFL season, but the 1969 calendar year, Super Bowl III, the Baltimore Colts played the New York Jets. <laughs> and the New York Jets were heavy, heavy underdogs, and they beat the Baltimore Colts, who had only lost one game, during the 1968 regular season, and the Jets beat the Colts in the Super Bowl. Fast forward eight to ten months later, the New York Mets, who, by the way, share a stadium with the New York Jets, beat the Orioles as heavy underdogs in the World Series. So not a great year, the 1969 calendar year, for Baltimore sports teams against New York sports teams. So that's going to do it for this episode of the History of Birdland podcast, episode number 28. Going to get back into the flow of doing these now that the baseball season is back. Don't forget to check out the guys, the Section 336 podcast, birdlandsports.com slash snacks to get some good deals. And they're, they're coming out with some new stuff as the new season's coming out here. So check out that website, use that code, get some discounts on uh, some O's gear as we get ready for the start of the 2024 season. Next week's episode is going to be a little bit different, and, and I had to do a lot of research for this one. But I'm basically, I'm going to rank the best one-year Orioles seasons. So I don't want to give too much away. But it took me a while to find 10 guys who only spent one year with the Orioles 
and had really good years. Because usually in most sports or any walk of life, if you have a good year at a place, they usually bring you back for more than one. Right? They usually bring you back for more than one. But I was super specific with the guys that I was picking to make this list for. And some of these guys that I have on this list didn't really have earth-shattering seasons, but it's kind of hard to to pick guys who only played one year with the Orioles and had really good years. But just just to throw out a couple names, just so you kind of know what I'm talking about here, think uh, Reggie Jackson, think Nelson Cruz, think Bobby Bonilla, guys who were only in the orange and black one year but had really good years. I'm going to rank those years on next week's show. So I hope you join me for that on the socials at Birdland History, at Andy Snacks, A-N-D-Y-S-N-A-K-S. And again, like I said, check out the guys at the Section 336 podcast and use birdlandsports.com slash snacks to get some deals on Orioles-centric shirts as we get ready for the 2024 season. Thanks again for listening. I'm Andy Snacks. This has been the History of Birdland podcast.